You're listening to CYOP, Create Your Own Pod Venture, Appeal. This branching story follows your choices, changing as you respond to what the story places in your path. What's waiting for you at the end? Keep moving to find out. Now, where were we? After deciding to invest what money you have into Appeal's development, you've run into a bottleneck. You've determined the best test of Appeal's enhanced abilities is to direct it towards obtaining even more money. You lean forward and rub your temples. This entire project has drained you in all manners possible. Mentally, fiscally, emotionally. And you wound up designing just the tool to pull you from your rut. Show me the most effective way to make this project worth it. It's a big request. It's vague. It's open-ended. And how would Appeal decide its own worth? Had you really designed a program which possessed that sort of self-awareness? Was the term self-awareness even applicable to something like a machine? You wonder why you're questioning yourself, but quickly brush it off. The heads-up display shows calculating again, and the frames vibrate. You can hear the power supply running, but not with the familiar sound of a fan clicking into overdrive. That's probably a good sign. You lean back in your chair, kicking up your feet as the program continues to compute. It's working for some time, longer than your previous requests, but working nonetheless. For a moment, you consider terminating the test and asking for something smaller scale, but then the program completes its search and displays a checkpoint on your computer. Register for Consumer Electronics Show, it says. You huff. The CES was never anything you considered attending yourself, though everyone tells you it's right up your alley. The thing is, you've never considered anything you've invented as consumer grade. You stand by that idea that everything you've made is something which can change people's lives, not something which people would buy for their living room. But still, Appeal has been accurate so far, and everything it's told you to do has worked out. So you navigate to the website and register as an individual exhibitor. CES didn't allow independent exhibits until last year due to attendee pressure and increasing public interest in STEM topics, and apparently the previous year was popular enough that it gained an entire wing of the exhibit hall. You paused at the cost, though. Registration is definitely not free, and there's a vetting process to ensure people aren't wasting the convention's time. You upload your old, but mostly accurate, PR schematics and pitch, and a confirmation email is in your inbox within the hour. You're surprised. Most of the time this sort of thing takes a while, but they must have their automated response algorithm down pat. You spend the next few weeks preparing a presentation. It's not much, but it gets the idea across with some basic technical information to draw the more informed eye. Some prompting questions, some graphic representations of its components, minus the black market Russian microchip, and you're ready to head to Vegas for that CES. You've attended the CES once before, back when you were an intern for a tech startup, and it's mostly familiar to you, though not from this angle. You're given a small spot in the back of the corner of the independent exhibitors hall, and the crowd soon packs in shoulder to shoulder. On the first day, you have a small number of interested folks, though nothing big happens, despite your tech demo drawing positive responses. Then the second day finds you inundated. At first, you aren't sure what's happened, but some quick dives into social media, the right hashtag show appeals booth showcased on a large-scale tech influencer's social media account. Suddenly, your booth's seeing multiple people per minute, and you have to be constantly ready to sanitize and ready the headset for the next demo. You set up a limited tech demo for appeal, just so the unwashed masses wouldn't have access to its full capabilities. The demo consists of very small games which Appeal could walk the user through, showing them proper velocity and angle of release to succeed at tossing a ring over bottles at various strange angles. 
You've also set it up with an index of local eateries and other points of interest in the city so the user could decide what sites to see while in Vegas. Apparently the influencer's post concerned a few places Appeal had suggested, and he'd had a great time on that circuit. As more and more people use Appeal during the day, they post to their platforms and word rapidly spreads through the convention. You meet a few people who claim to represent major firms interested in predictive AI and its application to everyday use. They give you their information and promise to maintain contact. Your booth grows in popularity over the convention, enough so that you end up winning Most Promising, which is a major get for an independent exhibitor. At the after party, you connect with a few more representatives, though one from the public sector catches your eye more than others. Sarah Constantine. She introduces herself with a crooked smile and an outstretched hand. She's confident, clearly in her element among all the tech entrepreneurs, and obviously knows her stuff. From your conversation, you gather she's a postdoc with some experience in theoretical physics and relativistic theory. It's a bit much for you to wrap your head around, but you get the gist. You talk shop for most of the night, and she's cagey about where exactly she works. Very interested in what you're doing. I can think of a few prospective buyers who I could put you in touch with, though you're probably going to have to travel to meet them. Can you be in Virginia sometime next month? You tell her you can, for sure, and get her car. You chat a little bit about your hometown. It turns out she visits the city a few times a year to see her parents. I always hit the trail with them a few times a year, though I prefer the Appalachians. She says with a playful roll of her eyes. I hadn't hit the mountains in a while, you say. I had a bad run-in with a snake a few months ago. She laughs. It's already a familiar sound. Yeah, that would probably keep me away for a bit, too. But, um... So anyways, I, I actually have to get going. I have an early flight to catch. But you call that number. I'm sure we'll be able to set something up without much trouble. She winks at you. You thank her and watch her leave. She has a swagger to her, and she seems to move through the crowd like she's meant for it. You're left with a nagging feeling of familiarity, but it's tinged with something else. Maybe it's just the booze. You've been partying harder than normal. The side effects of being the convention rock star, you suppose. The travel home goes without incident, though you're still riding high as you set appeal back on its normal settings. You try on the headset and ask it another big question. What now? The power supply makes its familiar whirring noise and appeal makes its decision much quicker than you expected. Establish connection, it displays. And its green wireframe highlights your cell phone. Connect with what? It's already connected to your home network. Call Sarah Constantine, the headset display shows almost immediately. You shake your head at your own thick-headedness. Of course it's best to follow up with the person who showed the most interest in your project. You dial the number she's given you and goes to voicemail. You leave a quick one, reiterating your interest in making a trip to Virginia to see her clients, and leave it at that for the night. Sarah calls back the next day and the two of you chat politely about how nice it was to meet at the conference before she dives into business. I showed my people your schematics and demo and they're very interested. When works best for you to have a full demo ready to go and out here? My schedule is open, you say. How about next Monday? We'll hit the work week running. It sounds great, she says. I'm sure they'll be just as into it as I am. They tend to trust my judgment. Her confidence is infectious and you wind up fairly certain you've got it all set to go. Over the next few days, you ready appeal for its trial run, set it up with a travel case and buy a plane ticket to Washington, D.C. The rest of the week goes by with an intolerable slowness to it. But then suddenly Monday's there and you're on a bus to the airport. Appeal is in your carry-on with what clothes you've packed and you keep it close on the plane like a child. 
The flight is about five hours, but it seems like it's over in the blink of an eye. You and Sarah set up a pickup time at your hotel and you sit in your room nervous until she texts you that she's outside. You get a peel put together and go down to meet her. She's in a sleek black sedan and it zooms away after you get into the passenger seat. She takes the freeway and you realize she's driving into the parts of Arlington which are owned almost wholesale by the United States government. Be nice, she says as she flashes an identification card at the people in the booth outside the big, brutalist concrete building. A gate raises and she drives in. Just don't do anything to jeopardize national security. I was not expecting this, you mutter as she leads you through checkpoint after checkpoint, then down a long hallway to a freight elevator. You hesitate, but Sarah motions to join her and you stand beside her as a large platform descends into the earth. If they like what they see, this could be very good for you. The elevator continues down. It's a longer elevator ride than you've experienced before, but eventually it comes to a halt and the grate opens to a long concrete corridor. What is this place? Sarah leads you down the hallway. Her heels make hollow echoing clicks as she walks. I can't tell you our actual name, but most people would just refer to us as DARPA. A little more exclusive. She pauses as you reach a door locked with a keypad. She types a long string of numbers into the keypad and and then it thunks open before she leads you through. The room beyond looks like a cross between an office conference room and an obstacle course. At the long table sits a number of hard-looking men and women in military uniforms and sharp-cut suits. A man in army fatigue stands at attention nearby. There's an empty seat at the table. What is this? You ask, wondering if it's too late to turn back. A field test. Sarah says. She takes her place at the empty seat. Well, this is... She motions to the man next to her in a salt and pepper crew cut. General Kilgannon, whenever you're ready, please explain to him what you've brought to show us today. You pause for a moment before the strangeness kicks you into presentation mode. You used to deliver lectures all the time, and this isn't any different. You explain Appeal's basic functions, how it operates, and what the original goal was. You see a few nods, but for the most part, Sarah is the only one to respond with anything more than cursory acknowledgement. When you're done, the general motions at the man in fatigues and he steps forward. Captain? Field test. Sarah repeats. If you wouldn't mind giving the captain your headset. Again, you consider turning around, but from what you've gathered, you're several hundred feet underground in a secret military facility, so you figured you're kind of stuck. You hand appeal to the man, and it starts up as he places it on his head. Just, uh, you can ask it to help you, you say, and it sounds lame when you say it out loud. The captain nods and moves over to their half of the room. The assembled officials at the table produce headphones and place them over their ears. Sarah offers you a pair to put them on. When you do, the captain starts running through what at first you thought was simply an obstacle course. As you watch, you realize it's instead a live fire exercise. Even with the headphones, the sound of the gunshot booms out as the captain, assisted by appeal, makes his way through the room. When he finishes, you can see him shaking with adrenaline, but he nods and removes appeal and sets it on the table. Excellent, the general says. It's exactly as you promised. The civilian is dismissed. As everyone stands, you realize he meant you. Sarah takes you by the arm and leads you numbly to the elevator. We're prepared to offer you a nearly one billion... She says as the elevator starts its way up. Of course, you'll have to sign an NDA, and the department will confiscate anything having to do with the project, but you should be very proud of what you've created. It's all happening so fast, but you simply nod. You hadn't expected to find a place with the military, but it makes sense. 
Rumor is Department of Defense have been working on its own heads-up display for soldiers. Sarah waves to you from the gate as a driver takes you back to the hotel. There's a return ticket on your pillow for night. And you pack, still numb. It's not, it's not until you're in the ride share to the airport when it hits you that you've succeeded. That you've taken your project from conception to sale, even if it was a buyer you hadn't expected. When you get back to your apartment, you flip on the light to your workshop and realize it's been ransacked. Neatly ransacked, but ransacked nonetheless. Your terminal's been wiped clean of any references of appeal. Your spare parts and half-finished prototypes are gone, and even the images and testing videos from the CES demos have been scrubbed from the internet. The next day, your phone rings with notification from your bank. Deposit statement is the top of the email, and you see a pending deposit of $2,083,300. At a monthly rate over the course of standard 40-year dispersal, that's about a billion dollars. You sit in your chair. You did it. You sold appeal, and for more money than you've ever comprehended making in your life. Now what? You've retired entirely to a life of lavish, bland luxury. The end. Hey, thanks for listening. You've just completed a run-through of Create Your Own Pod Venture Appeal, an audio drama written and produced by some nobodies at Grimwise Studios in Boulder County, Colorado. CYOP Appeal was edited by Zach Wiseman, written by Dylan Terry, and directed by Zach Wiseman and Dylan Terry. The original score for Appeal was composed by Jared Allen Gleason. CYOP Appeal stars Zach Wiseman, Suzanne Grimmer, Harrison Webb, Kayla Four, and Michael Colby, with other voices provided by Dylan Terry. Think you might have missed some of them? Go back, you can find their characters along a different story path. The story for CYOP Appeal was first developed by Zach and Dylan on episode 7 of Talking Upstream, a weekly show hosted by some nobodies on the Pod TV and Scene Snobs networks. You can keep up with some nobodies by visiting www.somenobodies.com, and if you want to help support them, visit patreon.com slash some nobodies. If you do, you can add your name to the following list of supporters. Scott Curtis, Sarah Dukacic, Tanya Sheck, and the Listener Podcast app with a very special thanks to Jim Ead of the Ead Foundation. Please give CYOP Appeal five stars on your favorite podcast platform and visit facebook.com slash CYOPod to show us which endings you've discovered. To find the rest of the Some Nobody's Family of Podcasts, you can search for Silicon Angels, the podcast podcast, a podcast show, Talking Upstream, Twitching Upstream, or you can catch Zach and Dylan on The Real Boys on your chosen platform. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.